Amen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, thanks for choosing this spot. You are privileged to sit by me today. And uh, you can grab a seat. And if they say, well, there was no other spot available, you can just grin at them, laugh and say, well, you got lucky. Today, uh, we're going to jump into our fourth message in our series, Seize the Day. And uh, so excited to be able to have Maple Grove and Elk River together with us today as we continue to grow together as a church in the plans and the purposes that God has for us. One house, many rooms that are part of Emmanuel. God with us. Amen. And uh, I love that we, we've been able to build on this series uh, about seizing the opportunities that God puts in our path. Seizing the moments, the chances that he places before us. And I love that, uh, that we're able to really uh, walk out practical steps in, in that faith. Whatever God speaks to us, it's not just to inform us. He speaks so that he can form us into his image to make us uh, mature and grow in our, in our reflection of Christ. And today we're going we're gonna to talk actually about one of Jesus' favorite topics. Um, he, he had a sermon series that lasted three and a half years. And uh, he preached and taught and illustrated and defined and lived out a sermon series on the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to ask and we're going to pray that God's kingdom would come, that he would reign in our hearts, in our lives, just as he reigns in heaven. Amen? And uh, I, I know there's millions of people that are reading the Bible now. It's January still. Uh, there's still some momentum going on with resolutions, and uh, I, I, I hesitate in, uh, in, in kind of in confessing some of the bribery that had to happen at our house. Uh, we're trying to get our, our, our whole family on track, you know, with, uh, with reading scripture, and, and my 10-year-old daughter and my 13-year-old son, we've negotiated something with them, right? And, uh, and I said to my son, end of last year, 2017, I said, hey, I will give you $10 for every book of the Bible that you read, you got to show me you actually read it and like mark it up and then write me a paragraph. So I'm going to like homework, right? A paragraph of what God spoke to you uh, in that book. And I'm, I was certain he was going to go for like low-hanging fruit, like the single chapter books, like Jude or, you know, second, third John and like cash in. Like you owe me 80 bucks in one day, right? And... Uh, so there's a lot of, there's, there's kind of a tension between me, you know, really wanting, desiring him to fall in love with the voice of God by reading scripture. And then on the other side, did I really budget for $660 this year for uh, both of my kids? And uh, it'll be well worth it. He finished Genesis and uh, he picked the 50 chapter book. It's great. And I'm like, wow, you, you, uh, you started at the beginning with the origin, right? And uh, yeah, it's like table of contents and everything, you know. And so, um, so it was fun because he would come and, and like, he's like, bro, this is in the Bible. It's like R-rated. Look what they did to him. Look what they did to her. And I'm like, we'll talk about that in a couple of years, right? And uh, Zoe went to the book of John, and, uh, and she loved it too, and they've, you know, they, so I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing God uh, cultivate in, in the hearts of my kids, and I think it's probably a reflection of what, what God does, how he enjoys us falling in love with his voice as we go to scripture, amen? And uh, today as we listen to the voice of Jesus and, and his teaching on the kingdom of God, 
uh, just want to remind you what we just said. We're not just getting information here. God is molding our values in our hearts as we listen to his voice. Jesus spent a lot of his time preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we say kingdom of heaven, we can almost mistake it for uh, that's something that's future. That's when we get to paradise. That's something that's, you know, reserved for, for the afterlife. But the kingdom of God, Jesus kept on saying, is here. It's among you. It's here and now. It's within reach. Sometimes kingdom can be confused with like a monarchy. You know, we can confuse it with like a specific uh, nation or boundaries of a, of, of a country or something like that. But Jesus, he, he always had to help define and, and clarify it because he taught us to pray. Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And uh, th those are almost synonymous phrases. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When, when Jesus teaches us to pray, to ask for God's kingdom to come, he's saying, invite God's reigning power, his reigning will to step into everyday life, to step into your mindset, step into your emotions. If you're having it, you're struggling with anxiety, with stress, with fears, pray, Lord, I ask that you would reign in my heart the same way you reign in heaven with no boundaries, no barriers, nothing to stand against that reign, no excuses, no delays. If your mind, your thoughts, your relationships, your family, your economy, anything, you can say, God, I pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. It's not just like, okay, I'm giving into fate, whatever happens, happens. No, I'm asking God to establish his reign, his purpose, his will in, here on earth as it is in heaven, here and now. Now, he also taught us not only to pray for the coming of the kingdom, he taught us to, pr to also seek it. You guys know uh, Matthew 6, 33. Uh, it says in the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else. One of the other versions says, seek first the kingdom of God. So it's not only like a chronological order, it's a, it's a values order. It's above all else. It's a priorities order. It's I need to seek the kingdom of God before I seek, before I pursue anything else in life. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, if we try to chase everything else and then use any margin we have left over to devote that to finding his kingdom, we're going to miss it. But if we seek his kingdom, if we put it above all else, above every other priority, we'll find his kingdom and then everything else will be a bonus within life. How many say amen to that? Now, if we're supposed to pray for it, we're supposed to seek it, we need to know what we're looking for. And Jesus spent a lot of time illustrating, describing, teaching on what the kingdom of God is like. We're going to read from Luke chapter 13, two verses that he used to uh, explain through a parable to uh, the, the people that were listening and to us who are listening to his voice today. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. So he's, he's using everyday, ordinary uh, illustrations, things that people are familiar with, and he's trying to say, hey, 
you might miss the kingdom if you have a different definition, a different idea of what it is. A lot of people actually did miss the kingdom because they had their own idea, their own definition of what it needed to look like. Kingdom of God is here. It's now. It's not only in heaven. The kingdom of God can often be missed because it doesn't fit our expectations. We confuse God's kingdom with our own kingdom, with our own will, with our own aspirations, our own desires. And we say, God, step into my kingdom and validate it. Right? But that's not how it works. When we seek his kingdom, when we recognize it, and it can be, it can seem insignificant at the time, almost like a tiny mustard seed, or like a little bit of yeast that's planted within the dough, and it, and it works its way into the whole of it. It's always active. God never spends a day where he doesn't reign. He is always reigning, right? And uh, another thing about the, the, the kingdom of God is that it's like a treasure. It's like a pearl of great price. It's, it's something that's worth more than life itself. And it demands life. It demands that we give all in order to receive, to embrace it. Jesus said that if we seek to withhold or save our life, we will probably end up losing it. In fact, he said, you will lose it. But if you surrender, if you give your life for the sake of the kingdom, then you will find it. And today, as we look at that text from Luke, you know, what is God saying to us? What is he saying through this uh, mustard seed illustration? You know, what, is he, what does that have to do with, with today? I love mustard more than ketchup and mayonnaise. And uh, closest I've been to a mustard seed is when it gets stuck in my teeth, right? But the, the, the fact is, I mean, it could be so small that I could easily pass it by and miss what God wants to do. But God is not deceived. He does not uh, mistake that small seed with something that's meaningless, something that's trite, something that's, that's, uh, that, that's you know, that, that has no value. He sees the potential. He sees the tree that's hidden in the seed. How many say amen to that? We might look at ourselves and we're like, there's nothing really there. But God sees the tree of potential that's within each and every one of us. First thing God is saying to us is be planted. Everyone say with me, be planted. Well, this is something that it says that a man went and planted that seed in the ground. It doesn't say he planted it halfway into the ground. It doesn't say it was three-quarters of the way in the ground. He says it, it, that it, it was t completely submerged within the soil. And being planted is, is really about God picking and choosing the setting of where our life is lived out, where it's carried out. He is the one that plants us. And we, on the other hand, need to be fully trusting of him and fully surrender into his hands and trust that he will plant us where he knows that we will flourish. How many say amen to this, right? Now, it means that we need to be entirely invested. I, I am, am the farthest thing from someone with a green thumb. Uh, that you, I've got like black thumbs and black big toes. That's plants see me. If I go to the botanical garden at uh, Como, plants hide because they, I'm like their image of, of, you know, I can kill plastic plants. I've got, a, I've got a plastic orchid at home that's withering up. I don't know how that can happen, but it's just, uh, some people, they've just got this, this ability to make anything grow. 
they're like, oh, you got some extra cucumber seeds on your plate. Can I plant those? And then, you, you know, they got like a, and they just, they, they're, they're great at it. Me, on the other hand, I don't, you know, I don't have that, that ability. But what I do know is that in order for a seed to truly uh, reach its potential, it needs to be submerged in the soil, in good soil. It can't be halfway dug in. It needs to be submerged. Jesus said the following, kind of going along the same analogy, I tell you the truth, John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. He's speaking of himself. He was going to surrender his life so that it could be multiplied in the lives of many. You and I are part of that equation. But he's also speaking it of us. If we try to, to withhold and, and hang on to uh, this world and our love for this world and the comfort of being outside of the soil, the discomfort of the soil, then we will remain alone. We'll never reach the full potential of the abundant life that God has planned for us. But if we are fully invested and we trust and we surrender to him, he will make sure that we are in the right soil and that we will flourish. Wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will also be. So we don't get to pick and choose. I'm right at the point where I got to renew my my contract with my cable company. And uh, I've got till the end of January. And then, like, prices will go way up, right? And I already know what that phone conversation is going to be like. It's going to be long. And they're going to try to hit me with a bunch of different packages they're going to ask me questions about my kids' ages, how often I have babysit, if I got a phone at home, why I don't, why I do, what channels I like watching. And they're going to try to find a different angle to lock me in for another year for, uh, for another, another package so they can get their bonus and commission. They, that's what they do for a living. That's great. If any of you guys work for cable companies, God bless you. Uh, give me a discount. Uh, me, on the other hand, I've got to stick to my budget and say, hey, I thank you so much, but this is how much I'm willing to pay, and I'm not going to do more than that. And, uh, and so it's going it's gonna, it's gonna to be intense. Uh, I already know it. That's why I'm procrastinating. And uh, sometimes we face faith that way, and we're like, okay, God, what packages can you offer me? Um, Lord, here I'm at church. What bundle do you have today? Uh, I'm not really feeling what you're giving me, what you're offering me today. Do you have anything else you could throw in there? Is there like, and we can adopt kind of a consumer client mentality when it comes to faith. You know what? God is not into free trials. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Die to yourself and live for me. How many say amen to that? You just all signed up for martyrdom. Congratulations. Um, we find our life when we lose it by surrendering it to him. And in faith, it requires that we completely be invested in trusting him and surrendering 
in believing that he will do it. Treasure comes first, then the heart follows. A huge barrier to us being able to dream is that we hold on to the small treasure we have today. And we miss out on investing in what our future holds, the future and the hope that God has prepared for us. If you want your heart to expand, whatever your treasure is moving toward, there you will find your new vision. What is your treasure moving towards? It will grow. You know, it's like a domino effect. If it's negative things, then that's, that's going to have repercussions and it's going to continue to snowball and increase. If it's positive things, if you're investing your life in kingdom values, eternal values, then it will continue to snowball and grow more and more and more. Love what it says in Psalm 92, verse 12 and 15. Through 15, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. What a great phrase, right? They will flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. How many say amen to that, right? He has transplanted us. And here's the second thing that Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, be rooted. Give me your best uh, Minnesota accent and say that. Be rooted. Very rooted. Very good. That's kind of a fun word here, right? Being rooted means that you not only get planted somewhere, but you begin to, to grow. You allow the process of growth to begin to take place. Without roots, there's no growth. Without roots, there's no stability. Without roots, there's no fruit. Make room for God's process of growth in your life. Don't get impatient. Don't interrupt his process. Don't jump ship before he can lead you to your destiny. If Emmanuel is the house where God has planted you, amen, this is not the only church that is a family of God within our city. We bless and, and are excited about the growth that is happening within other brothers and sisters within our city. But if God has planted you at Emmanuel, grow roots at this place. Grow stability, grow commitment in this house where he has placed you. Find nourishment. If, if we are like the Ents from the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, where we're like big trees moving around, right? And uh, that's my tree wobble, by the way. <laughs> then we will miss out on, on, on what God has for us at this place that he has chosen. We need to live with a conviction that he is steering our life and our destiny. If not, we're always going to be second guessing. We're always going to be concerned. We're always going to be looking for greener grass somewhere else. But if I know God has planted me where I'm at and I can commit to that and I can embrace the process of God, then I will find that God brings me into flourishing and in the full potential of God happens in my life. Why do you think so many of the uh, New Year's resolutions have fizzled out by now? Because people get impatient. They want quick results. I went to the gym three times and I don't have a six-pack yet. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm, I'm going to find a different gym that can do it for me, right? And the reality is 
growth takes process. God speaks of that. There's a season between mustard seed and the tree with branches. And that's a season of growth. And it's invisible growth that happens below the surface. Love what Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. And listen to this. With roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. God has his part in the equation of our growth. But we need to be proactive in growing. Our roots need to reach deep towards the water. We need to dig deep into the season where he has planted us, the house where he's planted us, and find the nourishment the commitment within the place he's planted us. One last thing with this. It's not common for you to find uh, family members that'll like do Yelp revisions on mom's food at home, right? Because you're not gonna get fed anymore if you're like, yep, yeah, ah, you know, today it's like a two star, you know, a little overcooked and could have, the service was really not that good. The uh, table was not very clean. I kind of recommend it. Heard a lot of great things, but no, this is where you eat. Date. You're part of the home. You don't do Yelp reviews. You go out to eat somewhere you're visiting, do all the Yelping you want. When you're part of the home, the mindset shifts. How many say amen? If I see a dirty table, I pick it up. If I see, I'm like, hmm, these glasses, they got water spots, water softener. It's not working. I get up and I have to go and wash it. There's a different commitment when we realize that God has made us part of his family and his home. How many say amen to this? Hey, if it fits, let me know on Yelp, okay? I'll explain later, okay? Third thing God is saying to us, be multiplied. Everyone say with me, be multiplied. In the kingdom math, um, it's not just addition, it's multiplication. It's, it's the kingdom teaches us to have vision for potential for multiplication. Mustard seed may seem small, but God sees the potential within that. He sees branches, he sees a tree. And he says, look at what can happen to the seed if it's planted in the right spot. And if it is given the opportunity to grow. And with us, I mean, the kingdom of God never ends with us or in us. We're not the final client. We're not the final consumer of the kingdom of God. We are carriers of the good news of the kingdom of God. We're the ones who reflect the hope of Christ that's been ignited in our own lives. We're not meant to just be the final receivers. We need to share what God has brought into our own lives as well. And so that changes our mindset. We're meant to be multiplied in the faith that we received, multiplied in the life and the hope, the trust, the redemption that we received, and we carry that good news on to others. Love what Scott Adams has, a great phrase. He says, there's no such thing as a small act of kindness. Every act creates a ripple with no logical end. Every act of kindness, every good investment in eternal values creates a ripple effect that has no end. It reaches and stretches throughout the earth. Our responsibility today is to seize the moment, the day, the opportunity God has given us. 
And together, God can use us to multiply and break down walls. He can, you know, he, he sees the power of one. And he says, seize this moment and the ripples will move into eternity. Don't belittle, don't disregard that mustard seed because God is banking on the potential he's placed within it. How many say amen to that, right? Now, as we, now we remember, kingdom of God is not, it's not a monarchy, it's not a castle, it's not a physical crown, it's not a government system. It's, it's, it's God's reign, it's his purpose, it's his will, it's about people. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, he gave his only son to die like that colonel that gave up his life so that it could be multiplied in the lives of many. Kingdom of God is about people, it's not about buildings, it's not about programs, it's about people being reached and led into eternity with their creator. In a very practical uh, way that we're going to be living this out as a church is what we have on this table here. I want to I wanna describe this because you guys have been wondering what's going on over here. Now, got some buckets here, and uh, this is going to represent, remember what we said, where our treasure is, there our heart follows. This is going to represent the values that we uphold as a church together. First bucket that we got is our tithes and offerings. Clear teaching throughout Scripture, uh, Old Testament, validated by the New, is that God is the owner of everything. Does anyone have anything, any good thing in your life that you can trace to anyone other than God? Good luck, right? He is the source. Everything we have belongs to him. Some are like, no, you know, it's an Old Testament thing. New Testament church gave everything. So I know you guys want to do more than 10%, but we're going we're gonna to start with the first 10, Right? 10%, first 10 out of every 100, first dollar out of every 10, first 100 out of every 1,000. And uh, that's enough math for today, right? Um, this is what we bring. It says in, in, in Scripture, we bring this to the storehouse. We bring it to the place, the house where God has planted us, the place where we attend, the place where we grow, the place where our children are ministered to, the place where we worship, the place where we find our family of faith. This is where we bring and make a declaration, like Pastor uh, was saying, or at each of the campuses that we talked about, about tithe. It's a declaration of values, of trusting God. So that's that first 10%. Then typically what we've done is we've had, and for our whole existence as a church, we've had missions as a value for us. This goes beyond the local church, beyond uh, Emmanuel, and this is our commitment to make a difference throughout the world. And uh, we, we have 70-plus missionaries and ministers that we support, and we've been involved in so many different incredible projects. Over the years, we've given millions of dollars to missions that hasn't remained within this house. It's been part of our heart forever, and we will continue to do that. In fact, we're planning on growing that. Amen? Now... With time, there's been, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, Houston, we have a problem. There's flooding or something. And so then we come up and we said, hey, church, we got to do something. We can't just sit around idly and, and wish them good luck. We need to do something. And so we've had an appeal with natural disasters or with, uh, with this event or with that ministry or this or that. And then we had other and other. And so we kind of spread it out uh, in, in, in very broad ways and, uh, and, and what we've prayed about as a leadership of the church, together with our deacons, and we've taken a good amount of time to really seek out God's voice on this, is about bringing our efforts into some more clarity, some more, uh, 
strategic obedience to the opportunities that God is giving us. And so what we're, what we're going to move towards is shifting these two buckets off. And then what we have called missions forever and ever, we are going to be calling kingdom builders. Okay? In tune with the hearts of Christ and his message, his theme during his, his uh, earthly ministry, the kingdom of God is broader than the local church. And so we give to the church when we bring our tithes, and we give through the church when we uh, give to missions or kingdom builders. Our, our uh, founding pastor always said, God, he quoted God when, when he said, if you build my kingdom, I will build your church. Pastor G. Mark Daniels used to say it all the time. If you build a kingdom, I will build your church. If you build a kingdom, I'll build your church. And that's not only the heart that we've had since the beginning. It's the heart of our pastor moving on from this time on. There's a quick clip that I want to invite you to see that where Pastor Nate really captures the hearts of this step that we're taking together as a church. Let's watch it on the screen. Well, the heartbeat of missions is compassion. When Jesus was on the earth, he wept over the city of Jerusalem, and he had compassion on them. I'm the recipient of the compassion of Jesus, and I can't help but think that God's heart is still beating for those who are away from him. And right now, there are many, there are millions who are away from him. Some of them live on my block. Some of them are next door to our church, but others are around the world. We've always cared about projects around the world, locally and globally, missions projects, feeding the hungry, helping orphanages, helping the gospel be advanced. Way back in 1963 and all the way through the first 43 years of our founding pastor, Mark Dennis, he would talk about the kingdom of God. And it was because God gave him a promise that if he, as the pastor and the church, would build the kingdom of God, God would build our church. So kingdom building is a part of who Emmanuel really is. What can we do to help the kingdom of God succeed outside of Emmanuel? Kingdom Builders enables us to focus in on those projects and still support ongoing, regularly committed missions organizations. We're actually taking up another notch. There's more to be done. There's more people to reach. There's more souls to love. There's more wounds to heal, and there's more joy to be spread. What if God did miracles on a regular basis through us, where he entrusted us with more so we could give more to see more people know Jesus? And because his job isn't done, ours isn't either. I would love to see little kids that are kingdom builders, learning from parents who are kingdom builders. And I'd love to see saints that have given much of their life and their time and their energy and their finances over time. And it's not over, baby. It's time to continue to build the kingdom. My desire is, as your pastor, is that every single person in Emmanuel can say, I'm a kingdom builder. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. That is a... Uh... That's the vision for the potential that we have as a church. And uh, right now our hosts are going to help hand out some a listing of the different projects that we are going to be taking on. It's, it's got a, 
a, a list of some of the different things that we have prayed over and identified that are going to be goals for 2018. And let me illustrate this. Uh, as, as, you're, as you're receiving that, just continue to pay attention here. I'm not going to, I don't have a rabbit or a dove that I'm going to pull out. want to help lower expectations here. There's no magic tricks here, just buckets, right? But they represent some of the goals that we have. We want to continue partnering with Teen Challenge. We want to continue to see people free from addictions. We want to continue to see God's power at work. There's orphans and neglected children in Honduras that we want to provide a home for. And so we're going to be taking that on as a goal as well. Future Christian leaders. You saw the video of the... Uh, uh, Emmanuel Leadership Academy. We believe in the call of God and we want to help spur on those who are pursuing uh, vocational ministry or growth in their, in their faith even as they serve God in the marketplace. Uh, local church plants. We want to partner with other churches that are not necessarily connected to Emmanuel, but they're connected to the kingdom. How many say amen to that? We want to encourage them and help provide for some of the needs that they might have. Again, this is just a sampling. Myanmar, Burma, we just had a trip that a team that went over to take a full container of food for, uh, for refugees and, and very vulnerable uh, children and kids who have been exposed to maybe uh, war and then and, uh, and exploitation. And, and we want to continue to bring hope and safety and security to them as well. And then we also want to uh, continue our missionary partnerships. We're not going to move away from the commitments that we have made uh, with partnering with missionaries that are boots on the ground. Our goal is to continue uh, to stand with them. And I uh, just want to say this. If you have made a commitment to a missionary specifically, someone specific, you're welcome to continue designating it that way. We're not going to change that. If you are not designating your giving, I want you to know that when you give to Kingdom Builders, you can be certain that money is also going to help support the 70 plus missionaries and ministries that we have throughout the world. It's kind of like a, um, a mutual fund where you, you invest and then there's people who are responsible, who are in leadership that help distribute and, and, and gear and steer the funds to where the best and ideal opportunities are at. So our missionary partnerships are going are gonna to remain. And then uh, natural disaster relief. If we get another uh, Puerto Rico or Houston or, or whatever, you know, Katrina, New Orleans, like back in the day, we don't want to have to wait a couple weeks till we can receive an offering and then make an appeal. We want to be ready to act. If it happens on Tuesday, be ready to act on Wednesday. Amen? And provide a solution. We want to be the church that provides solutions to the needs around us. So all of these are just samples of the different uh, projects and goals that we want to aim to. Now, I'm not going to receive an offering right now. Some of you guys are starting to get nervous. I can tell on your faces, right? Pastor, our, our pastors have already received the offering earlier in the service. What I'm doing is just introducing this, uh, this new direction and new step. Actually, we're building on what God has already done within our church, and we're, we're using words that help articulate it and uh, make it... Uh, almost more biblical in a sense, to be able to address the needs that are around us. Each and every one of these projects, you got a list of them, all fit within the Kingdom Builder bucket. So again, when we bring our tithes and offerings, we are giving to the church where God has planted us. 
When we give to kingdom builders, we are giving through the church. This does not go to operational, does not go to salaries, does not stay within a manual uh, for operational expenses. This goes for kingdom purposes. How many say amen? Praise God to, for that. Now, this past year we gave over 200000 for missionary endeavors, missionary support, missionary projects. And if you look at the, at the number at the top, uh, of all the different projects added up, we've prayed and we are, we've got the goal of being able to together tackle uh, goals and projects for 800,000 as a church. We aren't going to be able to do it alone. We're going to need his help. And we're not going to be able to do it isolated as individuals. We're going to need to pull together as a church to do this. This is that moment where we're like, ah, I'm just a mustard seed. No small act of kindness, no small act remains small. It has a ripple effect. What you do in the name of Christ for his kingdom is always multiplied. Remember what Jesus did? He held up the bread when the masses were there and he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it and fed the hungry. And that's exactly what we wanna do. We wanna entrust God and we want to make an eternal impact. We don't wanna just live for ourselves. We want to make a difference in the world at this season where God has planted us. Amen.